Hello, welcome everyone to another Change Your Game with GTD podcast. Uh, my name is Robert Peak. I'm here with Todd Brown. Hello, everyone. Hey, Todd. So, the purpose of this podcast series is to help you implement uh, the getting things done methodology, GTD. Why would you want to do that? Well, for a lot of people, it uh, yes increases their productivity, but also increases their overall well-being. So, uh, getting um, less stress and more success. Uh, into into their daily lives, uh, getting a little more present, a little more available um, to do their job and to implement, uh, you know, to utilize the skill of their job the way that they do best, rather than being buried into their their inbox and so forth. So um, if that sounds interesting, if you think that's that's possible, stick around. We've uh, been doing this for quite a while, and um, we often get nice, nice email feedback. We love that. Uh, a reader, uh, listener named Angela, uh, wrote in recently and was asking if we'd do uh, something on quick wins with GTD. So we're saying rather than you know implementing every aspect of the methodology, which we recommend, we do recommend you do that. Um, what are some components that you can implement quickly uh, and and relatively easily that will give you some success? Will give you some of those wins? Uh, and she had a great example. She had the the example of the mind sweep which um, for those of you that don't know is, is really the process of answering the question, what's on your mind or what has your attention with a piece of paper and a, and a writing implement next to you. So you're literally writing down uh, what's on your mind, what has your attention and the spirit of kind of brainstorming. And that uh, in itself can be um, hugely helpful just to externalize uh, periodically what's, what's on your mind. One of the fundamental premises of GTD being that if it is on your mind, it's in the wrong place. That externalizing and creating systems is a great way to, again, uh, increase increase your productivity and also increase your well-being. So I thought that was a great example. Um, that's certainly been my experience. That's one of the first things that led me to GTD was doing a mind sweep in a seminar, realizing how much was in there and realizing, uh, wow, I, I need this. I need a better system than my own head uh, to, to do this. So... Um, Dad, do you want to kick off with just some some thoughts on some of those quick wins you've either implemented early in your GTD journey or seen others implement that that's helped them in your many years of ex- doing this? Sure, sure. And you know, it's it's. I had the same experience of GTD. I think the thing that drew me to it in the first place was um, was this idea of getting getting ideas out of my head and doing capture, as we call it. Um, so I'm, I'm completely on board with the idea of the mind sweep as a, as a quick win. I think the other thing that comes to mind straight away is um, taking the things that that we've captured. So whether it's an email or whether it's a, uh, or whether it's just something that was on our minds and we've jotted down or whether it's a piece of postal mail, whatever it is. Um, and if that thing is actionable, asking the question, and what I mean by actionable is it's down to me to move it forward. There's something I need to do here. Um, if that's the case, then asking the question, what's the next action? And being as specific as and as concrete about that next action as possible. You know, I think so often I find in my own life and in the lives of the people that I work with that things are stuck in their lives because they haven't asked this question. What's the next action? What do I need to do to move things forward? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of a video that, uh, that David Allen, who wrote the book, Getting Things Done, made years ago that I, I remember seeing where he talked about the fact that the people, the people who are the biggest procrastinators are the most intelligent, creative, sensitive people, right? And so um, 
and and I'm reminded of that because if you haven't asked the next action question, it may be that your brain is spinning all kinds of really unhelpful fantasies about what engaging with that thing is going to look like, right? It's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be dangerous. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be whatever, right? So, and the more creative and the more sensitive and the more intelligent you are, I suppose, the more possible it is that you're coming up with all kinds of scenarios that are not particularly attractive. So, so yeah, I think asking the question, what's the next action? And then, as I say, good next actions are, are, as we say, physical and visible. They're things we can see you do. So I'm going to forward this email with my comments. I'm going to buy something at the store. I'm going to do some online research into this topic. I'm going to have a conversation with someone, with you know, with the boss or with someone out of my personal life. Those would all be examples of next actions. Um, and again, whether you know whether you do, as it were, all of GTD or not, I think you can get a lot of mileage out of applying that kind of next action thinking. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I, I love the point you make about how, yeah, the kind of dispassionate nature in a way of that question, you know, um, brings into focus usually most of the time, the fact that the next action is very doable once you identify what it is. And, and so often in coaching and in seminars, when we do the exercise with people, um, they have something written down that they think is the next action. And we said, well, do you, do you have everything you need to do that right now? Could you could you just go work on that? Oh, no, no, no. I need to talk to so-and-so first. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm waiting for some documents to come back. Oh, no, no, no. I need to go to this, you know, my storage facility and get the thing. So it's amazing how really installing next action thinking uh, can, can unstick some of this stuff and get people to realize, oh, the very next action is easy. It's not, it's not hard to do. But I wasn't actually thinking of it. I was thinking of action three, four, or five down down the road, you know. And that's maybe part of why they were stuck. So I think that's that's great. Um, you know, another one that I I encourage people to to do as a way to get started with GTD. Um, we often build uh, help someone build their GTD system organically by using all of their real inputs to remind them of all the different things that they've committed to do, right? The artifacts, the, oh, I need to need to mail off dad's Father's Day card. There it is, for example. But another way to approach this that for a lot of people may be a little less intimidating and also, um, you know, get them going in a way that has a, a pretty high value is to do something like a Minesweep, very much focused on what are your projects. If you had to identify even, you know, even if it's only half a dozen of like the key projects that are on your mind, just getting a list of, of a handful of the most important projects that are going in your world, and then making sure for every project there's a next action. Just that, I think, can keep a lot of the key things in your sights um, to help you uh, move them forward and get them done while you're potentially building the rest of your system, while you're potentially setting aside those increments of time you need to clear the email backlog, while you're installing better physical reference filing or, or whatever it is to get to get comprehensive. Um, that's a real nice stair step for a lot of people because then whatever else they've been using to cope day to day, they're, they're, they can still do that, but they're checking in with at least 
with a, a good project list, you know, periodically and seeing how that's helpful to not only externalize it as, as Angela said through the Minesweep, but then to check in with that list of, of some well-defined project outcomes uh, periodically as well. So I think I've seen that help, help people kind of uh, make it less daunting, you know, to, to install a system, start to get some benefit from the system on at least those key things that are top of mind for them. Yeah, I think I think it'd be helpful just for those of you who aren't familiar with GTD to, to talk briefly about what we mean by a project, because that's important. You know, a project is, in, in GTD terms, a project is any multi-step outcome that you're committed to achieving. So a good project, as you've, as you've quite rightly implied, Robert, uh, gives us a picture of a finish line. So, so a, uh, you know, a good project might be, I have a new mobile phone, or um, I've hired a new assistant, or I've got, um, you know, I've got a, a flashy new car sitting in front of my house, whatever the, whatever the outcome that you're committed to is, that's what we mean by project. And again, for those of you who are not that familiar with GTD, it might be that that definition comes across as somewhat new, because a project is just this thing that I'm on that has a team and a budget and has a whole bunch of things that it's trying to create and and it's a little bit more um, possibly a little bit more squishy in terms of its definition. We use we use project in a very specific way. Um, again, a multi-step outcome you're committed to doing, uh, typically within a time frame of up to 12 months. And and the time frame really is just because for most of us, an annual planning uh, you know annual planning cycles are a regular thing, right? We develop budgets. We do performance goals. We do, you know, all kinds of planning uh, in in annual cycles. And that's why we use that as a as a typical framework uh, timeline. Um, Thank you. Yes, very important. Yeah, point that no, out. No, not at all. Um, so, I guess thinking about it, then if we if we if we roll on to other things that we might encourage people to do, I think, you know, think thinking about uh, observing, reflecting on your your own organizational system and how well it's serving you you know just asking yourself where are the where are the sources of friction in how i use my organizational system <clears throat> and do i feel like you know do i feel like whatever my organizational system is right so if it's if it's you know if i'm working in and, uh, you know, Gmail is my primary thing, then, you know, I'm working with, with Gmail and maybe Google Calendar. If I'm working in Outlook and that's kind of where my stuff lives or whatever, you know, whatever tool set you're using, are you set up so that you can be reminded about things when it's helpful to be reminded about them and only then? And I, and I think for a lot of people that, um, that, well, first off, for a lot of people, they feel a bit so overwhelmed by the flood of things coming at them that they don't take a lot of time to step back and and ask those bigger questions about their organizational system. So so does it serve you generally? Does it feel like you can work with it in in reasonably friction-free ways? You know, as things come at you, whether again, whether they're emails or meeting notes or you know, postal mail, whatever it is, do you feel like you've got good ways of working that allow you to get clarity about what those things are? And then uh, as you generate reminders about what those things need to do, what you need to do about those things, that those can very easily be put in a place where you know you'll be reminded about them in the future. You know, we talk about the idea that a, a good organizational system has clean edges, right? So the things that mean one thing go in one place. And in that place are only those types of things. 
So um, again, it might get you started in in thinking a little bit more deeply about what you know what. It, it, it's almost like the tools I could put off to one side. You know, it's sort of like whatever the tool is. How well do I do? Do I feel that it supports me when I uh, find myself wanting to be productive? Yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So, thinking about the starting block, thinking about the finish line, um, and and thinking about where you're going to be when you want to do what you want to do. Thinking about what we call your future self, being kind to that person. Here's a really quick, quick one that occurs to me, literally fast, uh, about speed is is the two-minute rule. Um, the two-minute rule is if something comes into your world that reminds you of something you need to do, so it's actionable, and it's two minutes or less just to move that next action forward, just do it. Avoid the overhead of putting it into some system, getting it out of some system later, and avoid the overhead, right, of... Um, marking it as unread again in your inbox and moving along. You know, I think the the temptation can be to say, okay, I'll do I'll do that later. That's not that important. If it's not that important, and you mark it unread, you're going to be scrolling past that thing, potentially dozens or even if if it languishes for quite a while, hundreds of times with that tiny little bit of of nag and drag, that tiny little bit of friction that comes from looking at that thing. And then potentially reparsing it and going, oh, yeah, oh, no, that wasn't that important. Oh, yeah, oh, no, that wasn't that important. It could easily spend, you know, it could add up easily to a you know, couple minutes or more. And then you, know, you haven't still done the thing, right? You've, you've spent that amount of psychic energy and not done it. So two-minute rule has changed, I, I think, changed people's lives, frankly, you know, that they, that they go, oh, yeah, I'm not going to put it back in the inbox if it's only a couple minutes to move the next step forward. And now, you know, bear in mind that you need to really identify what the next step is. You need to have that next action thinking really installed, you know, so that you can be clear, oh, the next action is just a reply. It is just, you know, go to go to a web page and get the research and paste it in or whatever, that it is really, uh, it is A, really two minutes, and B, you really can do the next action right there and then. Uh, but that one's helped, helped, I think, a lot of people get their inboxes a little more unstuck yeah um, in, that, in that sense yeah, yeah that, that completely i've had a lot of feedback over the years that that's that's a biggie right that people have um i had an email just in the last few days from a client saying that that's the thing that that really seems to have made uh, a, a huge difference for her the, the other the other uh, thing I, I think i would mention around that is um or, or a similar idea is are you tracking waiting for situations so in other words are you, you know, if you send an important email and you are then in the situation where, hey, I'm waiting for a response to this email that I've sent, um, are you tracking that somehow? So the setting up of some sort of mechanism for keeping track of your waiting for situations is, I think, hugely helpful. And and so many of us, I think, are are distracted by the fact that we have these waiting for situations in our lives, but we don't have any good way to track those waiting for us. We don't have reminders about them. And what that means, of course, is that our brains try to take over the task of tracking those waiting for us. And for, you know, for reasons that we talk about, the, the brain is not a very good reminder system. So, so um, you, know, you can keep it really simple at the beginning. You could simply have a folder underneath your inbox, let's say. So, you know, that, that is, um, and every time you send a really important email, just blind copy yourself. So it ends up back in your inbox and then drag that into the 
waiting for folder. And then every once in a while, have a look through that folder. Um, we'd recommend it at a, minim at a minimum once a week. And, and anytime you come across an email where you think, mm, actually, I haven't heard back from this person and it's now appropriate that I should go and chase them, you just hit, you know, reply all and you say, hey, you know, oi, <laughs> when, when can I hear back from you, please? Um, so, yeah, again, I've, got, I've had a lot of feedback over the years that that's something that, that that sort of waiting for situation is something that a lot of people, have, number one, have not implemented in their lives. And number two, that when they do then implement it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And I love, I love that you can start with, like, you don't have to clarify it perfectly and use the three-port format and all that, but get those important things that you've requested into one place so that you can make sure you don't, you know, you don't forget and they don't forget and it doesn't get dropped if you care about it. That's great. Um, another thing that occurs to me is, you know, being sort of ruthless with reference, I think, is something that really can help help a lot of people. I think uh, a lot of people tend to hold on to both the stuff they need to refer to and the stuff they need to do stuff about in one place or in, you know, in the same kinds of places. Just having a simple um, A through Z type filing system for your physical world and for your digital world, email and, and usually your files on your, on your computer um, at minimum, uh, just having labeled buckets um, then you know allows you to move that stuff off as quickly as possible. So being able to create labeled buckets fast, and being able to move them in there uh, without going, oh well, you know maybe I'll leave that on here for whatever reason. So a lot of what we see, you know, that comes at people these days is either rubbish or or reference. Having a reference system that's fast to use, and again, the the best practice I think is just. Whatever you're going to be thinking about when you might want it back, that's the word or, or phrase you use when you file it away, and then it's just alphabetical from there. But doing that again is, is shaving, uh, you know, shaving time off people's lives and scrolling. You know, giving them back uh, days, weeks, months—who knows—of of time spent scrolling through the stuff that's clearly not actionable to get to the stuff that is. So it's it seems like a, a silly thing, but. Um, but if you don't have good reference filing, it just backs up from there. It's like plumbing, frankly. So get, get the, <laughs> sorry, bad metaphor, but you oh, get the idea. You will not forget now. You know that if the if the downstream connection to to get that keep that stuff flowing is not working well, it just all backs up from there. Get get your plumbing right. Get your reference filing right. Apologies to all of those of you who are listening to this during mealtime. But um, yes, <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you completely. I think that's I think that's well observed, and and it's interesting. Uh, you know, we talk. We talk. I talked earlier about the importance of clean edges and and having a system that's that's uh, you know, that serves you well. Um, and one of the things I think that's that's unique about GTD is that it also gives you frameworks for having clean edges in your thinking, right? And so what you've just mentioned about reference material implies that I have I have an understanding of what reference means, and therefore if I'm going to file something for reference, what you know what does that mean? Um, and we would say, hey, look, reference material is anything that you want to you want to put away in case you need it in the future. It may be you don't refer to it in the future, and then at some point it just gets it becomes you know irrelevant and 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 you delete it. 
but in the in the moment that you decide it is reference material, you believe that there is a good chance that you might need it in the future, and therefore you're holding on to it. Um, and that, you know, again, that's just most people's inboxes are such a such a you know a a, a smorgasbord of different things, right? And and the things in their inboxes mean different things. This is actionable. That's old and it's trash. That's a bit more someday, maybe, and I might do something about it someday, but not today. That's reference. Uh, oh, yeah, that's in there as a reminder that I'm waiting for somebody else to do something, right? So most people use their their email inboxes as kind of a, just kind of a general storage facility. And, and the downside to that is it means that every time I open up my inbox, I've got to not just decide, but re-decide about all of those things that are in there. Right. So I've looked at this, you know, to your point about scrolling, I've looked at this email 84 times since it arrived in my inbox. I haven't ever really sort of made the decision about exactly what it means to me. Um, and so, you know, having uh, going back to your point about reference, knowing exactly what reference means. So what is an email, which or if it's paper, it could be, you know, it could be physical reference as well. But using the email example. Um, what does reference mean? And then, and then, just as importantly, once I've decided that something is reference, where does it go? Right? Where do I put it in my system? Um, you've mentioned, you know, tagging things or putting things in named folders, or or using depending on the software, you might be using labels, or you might be using folders or something. Um, in digital platforms, I find people are as likely to say, "Hey, I don't really want to tag anything in advance. I'll just search for it if I need it." Right. And so they'll put it all in one place. They'll have a folder called email reference, for example, and then everything just goes in there. And if they ever need it, they can search for it. That works fine for some people. I, I'm not a huge fan of it in my own system. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, whatever whatever works best for, for you, I'd say, is, is what you should go with. Definitely. One, you know, one area where people get hung up, I think, or or some at some point down the line in their in their GTD practice, um, have sometimes struggle with as a really important area, which is the weekly review. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, if if I if someone were to say to me, you know, I'm just not doing my weekly review as they often do, um, which is fine. It's about getting getting back on on your game and doing that, not um, being perfect about it, but in order to get back on, or in order to start, one of you know one of the things you can do is is the five minute weekly review. And so, if there's one place that you would want to focus in a, in a weekly review, if you literally only had five minutes, um, I would go to the calendar and go look back over the past week, get some closure with that, see if there's anything you need to bring forward or anything you forgot in the past week and look forward one week, what's coming at you, anything you need to prepare for. Right? What did I miss? What, what's coming at me that I need to prepare for? That can literally take five minutes. Um, and because most people's first trusted system as an adult is their calendar, right? most people recognize that I need to put things into slots in a, for, for the time-based reality um, because my head won't do that effectively. You know. Um, because that is your first trusted system for most people, that's a place where they can um, they can begin to build from in terms of creating creating better systems for themselves. So, and look, if if you don't have five minutes uh, in a week, you're you're not you're not in a job. You're in a war zone, right? I mean, everybody has five minutes to reflect. <laughs> you know, 
it's got to be there. You can't make that excuse anymore that, that I don't have five minutes for a weekly review. But if you start there, I, to me, I believe that's probably the most kind of beneficial place to hone in on um, to, to establish that habit, right, to start doing mm. that. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a great that's a great suggestion. And for those of you who are familiar with GTD, if you're struggling, because, you know, in the seminar you were presented with the outline of a complete weekly review, as it were, um, then then, yeah, I mean, I, I love your idea of just having a look at the calendar. Right. That's you know, I, when I think back to my professional career pre GTD and I think of the number of times when I would come into the office of a morning and not really have a clue about what was going on on that day. I mean, I'm not proud of that fact, but, you know, I, I can, thinking back on how high my stress levels were and how, you know, how much I had going on in my life. And um, frankly, it, it, it's really not hugely surprising that I wasn't, you know, that I wasn't engaging, uh, engaging productively with all the elements of my world. But, um, but yeah, that was when I first got into GTD, that was one of the first habits that I got into was, doing the calendar review and as you say you know just have a look back at the last couple of weeks oh yeah that meeting that got canceled at short notice i need to reschedule it okay great so i've, I've got that i've got control of that and this thing that's coming at me i've got a, a presentation in a week and a half's time how am i doing on that am i making the kind of progress that i need what's going back to our point about what's the next action if i was going to get prepared for that what would the next action be so i think you know it's um the, the calendar gives us a you know Time, of course, is relentless, and the march of time is relentless. And being reminded about our time-specific commitments can be a huge stress reliever. You know, just knowing that we are prepared for 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 the world as we see it coming at us. In other words, for the stuff in your calendar, of course, doesn't include the surprises, right? But it at least includes the the things that you um, have high confidence are going to happen, right? And so let's just make sure that we're prepared for those as best we as best we can be. Excellent. Yeah, great. So we covered we covered a lot of ground. I mean, you know, the next action thinking, project thinking, being kind to your future self, uh, the the uh, waiting for list, the great great list, the two minute rule, um, working on you know looking at your calendar as part of your weekly review, a uh, bit a bit on reference filing. I think any one of those, if you could you could grab one of those, start there, and then add the second or third or fourth one as you go along. You're going to start building out a GTD system, but more importantly, a GTD practice, right? That, that I think could, could serve you for a while. Yeah, I think I think in that's a really important point. You know, for those of you who are new to it or who maybe are not so new to it, but you've been struggling to get started with certain elements, take what we've been talking about today, pick the one that most resonated with you and just focus on that. Whether it's a mind sweep or whether it's a waiting for list or whatever it is, don't try to you know, don't try to over implement until you really see the need, I would say. Um, and I think probably in the long term, you'll be much more successful if you take that kind of that kind of gradual approach. Yeah, excellent. All right. Well, I think we're coming round about to, to time here. Um, I'm curious if you if you were starting all over, you know, day one of uh, just fresh out of the seminar, which which one would you pick? Which one would you pick to get started, do you think? Uh, as I say, the one that spoke to me most in the moment was this idea of, if, you know, if it's in your head, it's in the wrong place. Um, and capture, capture made the, the biggest difference. And, and to this day, I have to say, it's if I think about my own GTD practice, it is probably the thing that I am most careful and most consistent about is getting open loops out of my head. I have a hugely low tolerance 
for having open loops in my head, and that that serves me really well. How about how about you? Right. You know, I'm, I probably could pick anyone at the moment. It's occurring to me the reference the reference filing thing is a place where you can feel a physical result. You know, there's that sense of purge or spring cleaning or what what have you um, that feels like a real tangible win. Like, oh yeah, there's boxes for every, all this non actionable stuff to go to. There's places for it to flow to. Um, that just is a good kind of empowered feeling. I think that's why so many kind of get organized type techniques are are out there, but but then, of course, not stopping there, right? Then going into the into the um, the clutter up here as well. But I think that's a great great place to start. Start with the physical, and then move you know <laughs> move your way up into the more refined levels where clutter exists. So good stuff. Well, so thanks everyone for for tuning into this. Um, we do this was you know really prompted by by a, a listener or watcher or maybe they read the transcript. Someone who. Um, you know, had, had thoughts, questions, and, and ideas about what we're doing. And so we'd love to hear those from you. Uh, info at next-action.eu. Info at next-action.eu is the best place to reach us. That comes that comes to us. Um, I'd love to hear, even if you don't have a question, just that you're out there, that you're listening. Uh, any thoughts or reflections, always, always good to be in touch. And if there's anything we can do for you, pop over to the website. We've got, uh, we do this all day long in a variety of capacities. So for now, from me, from Todd, go grab a step, get started. I think uh, you'll be really glad you did. Bye for now.